Welcome back hey. to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice. Hi, Joe uh, Patrice. Hi. I'm uh, Catherine Urbino. You are. I am. You are. I am. Are nice we to the meet only, you. Oh, we oh, aren't the only people here. Look at that. Yeah. Chris Williams I'm also is Joe Patrice. Oh, no. <laughs> I forget sometimes, you know. Yeah. And we are all of Above the Law, and we're here on Thinking Like a Lawyer to give our weekly conversation about the big stories in the legal landscape of the week. Mm-hmm. But obviously, that's not how we begin that's, our show. It's not usually how we start it. We don't. We we don't jump right in. You know, no, it's, 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 it's difficult. It. To, it's difficult to mainline legal news just like cold. Jump right you know, in. you've yeah. got mm-hmm. to slowly get involved and you can do that with a little bit of uh, small talk. Small talk. Yes. Now, speaking of mainlining <laughs> Legal news. What do y'all think Supreme Court justice clerks do when they're not at work? Like, how do you think that works? One, they are at work. I mean, that's <laughs> no. that's what they do. It's a relatively yeah. short term gig, so I think you you kind of dedicate your all for that for that year or two. Yeah. Uh, um. I just I just imagine like it would be hard to like not lolly. It would be the pressure to not lollygag because you know Clarence Thomas is down the hall has to be immense. But like, yeah. what's the? I mean, these are these are very much, uh, I think, uh, go getters by nature. Right. <laughs> I don't think. Oh, that sounds I, I insufferable. Think, you know, you know shout out to shout out to Sotomayor. It's a small group of I, folks for a reason. <laughs> I know, but I just I just imagine I wonder I just imagine like her being annoyed at some of her colleagues' clerks. Like, ugh, why did Lito pick that guy? You know. <laughs> I mean, so I, I obviously, as far as their work schedule, I, I know uh, from a previous episode of this show, our episode uh, that we did as the immediate aftermath of Justice Ginsburg dying, you know, I interviewed Neil Katyal and he was telling stories about how they would leave the office and Ginsburg's clerks would still be there till three or four in the morning. So that's Ooh. the kind of life uh, that they have. But that's uh that's that hey what's up with you Catherine? uh not too much i think as as regular listeners of our podcast know um in my spare time i am a debate coach for a policy debate team mm-hmm. um and i had an interesting experience <laughs> yeah we all have a, a policy debate background uh, and it was interesting because this weekend one of my above the law articles played a role in a varsity debate round. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I was judging said debate <laughs> and there was a there was a claim made that the shadow docket has and these shadow docket decisions that have grown in frequency has destroyed the Supreme Court's legitimacy, a claim that I pretty much agree in. But as I <laughs> as I heard it at rapid pace that piece of evidence get read, I thought that sounds a lot like something I might say. And in this <laughs> and I was worried that it might be something that I had said, though it was not, but it was in fact Catherine Rubino evidence. So yeah. by the way, yeah. for, for those who aren't in the know, the reason Joe said at a rapid pace is because if you were to imagine yeah. an auctioneer's voice sped up by like 1.5. <laughs> right. That's what debate rounds sound like. Yeah. yeah um, but just yeah. like really fast talking louder. <laughs> yeah. So. so, yeah. So it, it went yeah, by. That was not an audio glitch that was trying that was, to yeah. replicate audio, uh, a policy debate. Yeah. And what that's we accurate. Call it, we call it clutching. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, it was going really quickly. I heard it and. It was like, rut, took a look. 
In fact, in fact, the 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 article that mm-hmm. this had come from. In fact, I I'm even quoted yes. in that article like two paragraphs <laughs> after the evidence ends. So it was a it was a claim that I think they were right about. As it turns out, at the end of the debate, <laughs> at the end of the debate, both teams conceded that that particular point was true because it is so, good news. You guys, so good news. You did not. You you were not the reason anybody lost the debate. So. Or won it, but yeah, or won. Yeah. <laughs> Was still uh, still kind of an, an interesting turn of events. Yeah. No. So, congratulations on becoming an author. <laughs> I will say that at I one mean, point. I mean, in fairness, the, I've been writing for a very yeah. long time. <laughs> yeah. No. So there we go. So that was a that was a fun weekend for you. Mm-hmm. Cool. One thing. Oddly enough, I was at a tournament too. So oh, I got a well, I got go. an email invitation to judge at a mock trial. Oh. Uh, and that was interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, it was cool because you know again we all have debate backgrounds. Mm, I've never yeah. done mock trial, but I do have some experience in both rhetoric and bullshitting. You should see my writing right. above the law. <laughs> so it was a nice experience to, to see totally different ways of assessing the around, like grading the round. And I messed up on like all the rounds I was in. So sorry, okay. to, sorry to the debaters, but I apparently gave some good feedback. So okay. it's good to know That's that we fun. all did uh, we all did a tournament in one way or another. Yeah. I, I always make the analogy that Mock trial is obviously a great way to practice and hone trial advocacy skills, whereas I feel as though policy debate is much more of appellate skills to the extent that it's lots of research and and distinguishing pieces of evidence. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so you went the trial side and we were at the more appellate side argument. Anyway, that seems like enough small talk for now. Small talk. All right, so let's get into the topics at let's hand. Do it. Yeah, so I think the the biggest story of the week last week was a story in three acts uh, yes. that that exploded over the course of three days. Uh, <laughs> there was a it came to light over over the previous weekend, and then uh, and then accelerated Monday through Wednesday. A attorney in. Ohio had gotten a female attorney in Ohio had gotten an email from a not partner but senior lawyer at a law firm. Uh, they they don't they have the ti- didn't have the title partner uh, per se, but functioning as a partner. Got a text from that person after they announced that they were lateraling. Uh, that was well, let's say harsh. It was, it was a, a text message, right? Yeah, it was a text message blaming the woman for leaving for another job saying that she had been sitting on her ass uh and why by sitting on her ass he meant she was on maternity leave yikes so she had taken her maternity leave and then during that time i mean that's really a wildly inappropriate way to refer to maternity leave besides which it's a benefit that you've already accrued by working there and using it does not in any way implicate your ability or your desire to stay any longer than you have to well that's a really good point and i Mm -hmm. I think i think one that was coming out of this one of the most important points which is maternity leave is not something that you have to pay back it is a benefit you've already earned Mm -hmm. so you don't take maternity leave and then owe the firm more time. You have already put in your time to get that maternity leave, so you can do whatever you want with it. For those right, that didn't right. read the article, mm. the text message reads like one of those hypos you can tell the employment law professor was having fun with while they crafted it. <laughs> it, was, it was so cartoonish of a violation of not only law, but common decency, where you're like, oh, this is just 
extreme. This is just exaggerated to test if issue spotting is a thing. Like no <laughs> lawyer would actually do this. Yeah, I guess but at this point here we are. At this point, we should we should share exactly what was said. What was said in this text is, I had suspicions you were interviewing two months ago, and I told Stephen then to ask you about it. I also told him to cut you loose at that time if confirmed. Issue he was one. Too no. He was too nice of a guy to do so. What you did, collecting salary from the firm while sitting on your ass except to find time to interview for another job, says everything one needs to know about your character. Karma's a bitch. Rest assured, regarding anyone who inquires, they will hear the truth from me about what a soulless and morally bankrupt person you are. Wow. Yeah. So this came from uh, senior lawyer John Delano, who also represents the city of Cleveland in a lot of matters. Uh, he's a labor uh labor attorney, uh, guess which side. <laughs> uh, the thing that really gets me is, okay, sure, even on even a management side, labor attorney really ought to know better. Right. You know, it's not like you're doing tax law where these issues are, are never come across your desk. You know, this is something you, you regularly deal in. What would happen if you were, if you were defending management and you saw a copy of that right. in discovery you wouldn't be pleased with your client you wouldn't be like oh this is great news for us well you certainly know, he knew better while i was reading it chris flagged issue one and i think let's go back to that issue one which was the part of the uh, put aside everything else which is also bad the part of the text assuming it's true where he says he advocated that the firm cut the woman loose if she was in fact interviewing while on maternity leave is admitting that you had thought at some point it had crossed your mind of making a retaliatory firing of somebody while on their maternity leave. Like, once that happens, how does this go forward? And that really became the the second part of this act, which is the firm itself, uh, the managing partner, the aforementioned Stephen, this is Zash and Rich, uh, the aforementioned Stephen in that uh, text puts out a statement saying, you know, this was unacceptable and all, but it was done in the heat of the moment, and we're going to try to do better and make some corrective actions. This went over poorly, as <laughs> it did not include, say, an apology for this, and seemed to downplay the whole thing as a heat of the moment issue. Which, it was clearly just an attempt to get rid of the the hot right. glare of the media and uh, and the local community, legal community was really really bearing down quite a bit on the firm, you know, during the the, the heat of this. Yeah. The, the height it, of this. Because because the idea that this was heat of the moment, which when it's a voicemail, maybe you can get away with. But with a text, somebody had to sit there, type it it's out, edit it, It's a lot of thumb time. It, it's a lot of thumb time. But also, this goes back to the flagged issue. If that was heat of the moment, maybe you could get away with it. But when you're admitting that there was a prior conversation in which you had suggested to management firing some a retaliatory firing, this becomes more moments. <laughs> a lot more moments. I also think it's important to think about what this means for what constitutes heat. Because like, <laughs> right. when I generally think of heat at the moment, I think of, oh my God, I walk in, I find my wife cheating on me with my best friend and my mom's recording it saying, yeah, cheat on my son. Like, that's mm -hmm. a clear heat of the moment scenario. But he was like, oh my God, not only is she pregnant, but she's looking for a job elsewhere. <laughs> like, heat is so different now. Anyway, the, so, so that happened. Uh, not great. So that 
statement comes out, it does not go over well. Later in the evening, the firm announces that the offending partner is no longer with the firm. It's not. Ah, uh, there we go. There are the consequences of my own actions. A- and an apology and all that. It seems like it was finally a response to what had happened. Now, that said, this is still not a great place for anyone to be. Obviously, you're in a situation where you need to do some training, uh, have some concrete steps. We don't know necessarily what those are. Obviously, a situation where this happens is bad enough reflection on the culture, but a situation which you had been assuming uh, this person was, you know, making this statement against their interests accurately. You're in a situation where you, as a manager, have heard that some senior person wants to make a retaliatory firing, that should be a red flag that you respond to. And it's a sign of a broken culture, sort of, if that isn't something that triggers, oh, wait a minute, I need to do something about this. Uh, Hopefully, this will be a light bulb moment where the firm can move forward and learn those sorts of lessons. You know, I will say a lovely coda to this story is the Ohio State Bar put out a statement about it and specifically thanked me for helping to bring this to their attention. So that was lovely. You know, we make a lot of jokes in this job. It's nice when sometimes we have done something serious. So that was nice. Calidus AI cleverly supports you by suggesting relevant law to address your complex issues. Put in simple questions or longer fact patterns, then Calidus asks you to confirm if points are salient before proceeding. Use Calidus to check if you found all the key concepts, cases, and statutes. Calidus turns that into a high-quality, customer-ready document. Handle complexity confidently with Legal's most advanced AI platform. Get $90 off your first two months. Use promo code Joe at CalidusAI.com. That's C-A-L-L-I-D-U-S-A-I.com. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Guy, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network. Available wherever podcasts are found. All right, we're back. Uh, What do we want to talk about next? Dealer's choice, friend. All right, so the other issue that was big last week is obviously a special counsel has been appointed to investigate the Joe Biden classified documents issue. Right. Yeah, if you've been tracking, obviously you're aware of the special counsel looking into Trump's top secret documents that he was holding in a pool locker at Mar-a-Lago, apparently. Uh, there has now been a few documents found at the office that of the Biden Center at Penn, which is, you know, a, a center that he had set up, uh, the, part of his time as vice president. He had received classified documents. Some of them are found among the effects that were kept in that office. They, this has been reported to the government that they found these classified documents. They found a few more after that. Ultimately, Merrick Garland appointed a special counsel to look into this issue, uh, specifically Robert Hur. You know, speaking of 
Supreme Court clerks, a former one, uh, <laughs> who is go and a former Trump era U.S. attorney who is going to be looking into this. So the first impulse everybody had was see Biden did the same thing Trump did. Uh, this has been largely the argument of the Trump administration hangers on. Oh, so, so Biden lied about having. Well, see, that's kind of the oh. issue, isn't it? Oh. Yeah. So. So the so they are similar to the extent that both of them had classified documents in places they shouldn't have been. That's where that everything after that. that yeah, <laughs> everything after that juncture is where things start to separate. It, you know, uh, I actually saw some um, one of the various right wing legal tweeters out there had tweeted something about how I can't believe they were just letting the Bidens say oh, we're looking on our own to find documents and we'll get back to you. And I'm like, that is exactly what they did with Trump, which is the whole <laughs> problem for him because he then came back and had his lawyers aver to the federal government, we've looked and found everything, and they hadn't. Because <laughs> see, the lying is the part that makes this a problem. Wait, are you implying like the facts of the case? Make yeah, a difference? you know, the facts seem to make a difference. Actually, the national security lawyer, uh, Mark Said, who uh, is kind of the expert in this, this is actually the kind of stuff he does all the time. He tweeted out as soon as the story broke about how this happens constantly in his <laughs> life, like government officials misplace classified documents all the time, which is somewhat scary, but also a reflection of how we probably overclassify things. But whatever it is, he says, look, it happens all the time, and it's almost always handled with some administrative, non-serious slap on the wrist, because people, when they find out that they've done, some, done this wrong, immediately turn around and go, hey, our bad, handle this for us. And he's like, that's the difference. It's mm -hmm. if you had acted, and he's like, and Trump would be facing exactly the same non-consequential slap on the wrist had it not been for the lying about the documents and forcing the government to execute a warrant to get them. Right, right. And then proceeding to attack the FBI right. that, did the, that executed the warrant. Well, that's the weird thing about this special counsel idea because Republicans started calling for a special counsel as soon as the story broke. I know Lindsey Graham's on TV. Everyone's going on TV and saying there should be a special counsel. If there's one against Trump, there definitely has to be one here. Uh, and this was a poor strategic decision, <laughs> I think. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that, that they must have assumed, well, we would never respond in kind. So I assume the Democrats won't. I guess. But the Democrats did uh, appointed a special counsel. And while that is inevitably annoying that it escalates what should be a fairly routine and unimportant matter to a higher level, this really burns Trump in my mind. Like, because now... The argument that this was some partisan witch hunt really falls apart when the same Democrats are like, yeah, and we appointed another special counsel, indeed a Republican lawyer, to look into what Biden did here. Uh, I mean, this implies a lot of logic, Joe. Yeah, yeah Consistency well, isn't really a major well, that's a, point here. That's Hallmark a, of the modern conservative movement. Yeah. Well, that, that's fair. But see, this is the problem. I understand that there will always be people who are dyed in the wool MAGA folks who are not going to care one way or the other about this. That's fine, granted. But there is some dwindling set of moderate independent folks who are out there who might have been 
persuadable that the Trump investigation was a witch hunt before this happened. And now what they're going to see is, oh, yeah, everybody got treated the same. I feel like whenever people talk about these like unspecified far right potentially leaning moderates it sounds to me the same way people talk about the like the middle class i'm mm. like citation needed like who are these people do they have names do they have addresses we could send mail to <laughs> like I mean, well that's the thing we we know they exist they are a very small group they're far smaller than people like to pretend but we know they exist because we see elections in some areas go different ways between a couple of years sure that like means there's a, a some plus pop- trump district yeah when you know during the midterms and elected uh democratic s- senator right so there's some there's some population that's mm-hmm. doing this now i don't know who these people are <laughs> and i think they may be crazy but they exist right so that would explain why at all the signs at the rallies they have that silent majority sign the yeah. people with the silent majority sign are the people that can be swayed anyway so th- this seems like a really bad idea yeah bad strategic turn for the the trump world uh obviously we'll see how this all plays out but it doesn't look good and it, it is one of those careful what you wish for sorts of moments i think for them uh they would have been much better off just not calling for a special investment <laughs> special counsel and instead saying see this proves that everyone does it don't worry about it or something like right. that uh but now they've just given a rubber stamp to the idea that this is that that what special counsel do is legitimate, which is going to become a problem for them, I think. I mean, I do think your sort of hope for what happens at the end of this falls apart when there are two different recommendations by the different special counsel because there are differences in fact, as we've discussed. Sure. And I think that, well, it's not the same because it was what the right jumps on. Yeah, Uh, true i but but it's gonna look a little bit better coming from a republican lawyer i think but uh, alas so uh with all oh and and uh form i said this was uh the special counsel is a former supreme court clerk also a a, an appellate clerk for alex kaczynski one of trump's lawyers so there's that too yeah and and you know there's other reasons why alex kaczynski's an issue yeah yeah i've written a lot about judge kaczynski yeah all right, so now we're back. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're back with some Elon Musk news, as oh. I recall. All right, you want to talk about that? that? I mean, he has been great for traffic at Above the Go Law. For I'll it. tell you that. <laughs> uh, as some of you may recall, uh, Elon Musk likes to hold grudges. Yes. <laughs> um, one of the people or firms specifically that he, he has talked about um, on Twitter is Perkins Coie saying that they must, no one, no one should use them as a firm because of Michael Sussman, uh, a partner at the firm who was exonerated after a trial because for lying to the, he was accused of lying to the FBI because he spoke to, spoke to the FBI, but didn't reveal at the time that he also had a Hillary Clinton as a client and whatever. He was found not guilty after a trial. But because of this, Elon went on a bit of a rant saying that no one should use Perkins Coie until they apologize for trying to sway elections. And uh, then, you know, he hired Perkins Coie. Yeah, yeah. He turned around and hired Perkins well, Coie. Well, he didn't. The firm, the, the company did. Twitter Twitter but, did. Yes. Uh, yes. But again, because he has decimated the legal department, as we've covered extensively in the pages of Above the Law, somehow 
the firm, which had previously worked for Twitter before Elon Musk blew up at the firm on Twitter, but had previously represented them, entered an appearance defending the company against some allegations. And when asked about, hey, why that happened? Um, or, you know, have you forgiven the firm? Elon was just like, oh, it was done in error. Mm. One you of know, the things that gets me about, like, talking about how clearly Elon has decimated the legal team. Yes. Mm-hmm. But folks at Twitter are selling chairs. Like, I think there was one point that they were like, they didn't have toilet paper in the office. Like, he is decimating everything. Like, you got to respect. Yeah, he's also not paying his bills in order to try at to all. make it a renegotiation tactic with some vendors. There's lots of bad stuff going on. Like, his, le- his level yeah. of failure is mythological. Like, if there was a <laughs> if there was a reverse Midas touch, it would be the head of Tesla. <laughs> Yeah, it uh, the the not paying bills part. Obviously, he's trying to renegotiate commercial leases, uh, and he's and fucking I under- rich. That's the thing. That the well, not anymore. Not anymore. Well, not anymore. Well, one, <laughs> not not so much anymore. But again, it, reverse I mean, Midas. I, he's still doing okay, but he but he's trying to do that with the company. Fine, I, that is a tactic one could employ. It is you know not going to work in most times. I guess his theory is that the commercial real estate market is in trouble with lots of hybrid and work from home situations. But, you know, in San Francisco, there's going to be a home for that office. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they are yeah. going to find a tenant. So there, I don't understand what leverage he thinks he has here. Uh, I don't think he understands how leverage works in any way, uh, as far as I could tell. It's like uh, he's playing 5D chess in a checkers game. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so unreal, uh, you know, and he's uh, yeah, this is why you have lawyers, kids. Uh, it, I, what really gets me is uh, all of these cuts kind of feel like when a private equity organization buys an entity, then guts it and tries to flip it, saying, look at profitabilities up, not because they've actually done anything, but because other they than cut, cut all the yeah. headcount. But there's no indication he's intending to sell, which means that none of this makes any sense. Uh, Just baffling, but very entertaining to watch. It is. It is. It is. Well, yeah, I mean, we got a little bit of extra time, I suppose. I may as well talk. uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, R from Crazy Town, uh, (laughs) she she got a, a, a sternly worded letter from a lawyer, Howard E. King, who represents Dr. Dre. And, uh, you know, she, she was she was using she she had some videos up celebrating Kevin McCarthy becoming speaker and by extension, her role in that using some using some Dre songs. And uh, that did not go over well with the the Dre. No, team. no, it didn't. Specifically, the letter reads, one might expect that as a member of Congress, you would have a passing familiarity with the laws of our country. It's possible, though, that laws governing intellectual property are a little too arcane and insufficiently populist for you to really have spent <laughs> much time on. We're burn. I don't know we're if you ri- understand it, but that is a burn. <laughs> we're writing because we think an actual lawmaker should be making laws, not breaking laws, especially <laughs> those embodied in the Constitution by the Founding Fathers. Boom. Yeah. Uh, bru- brutal, brutal diss track coming from the Dre lawyers. <laughs> Much appreciated. Also, yeah. like another one of my like favorite hot takes that I think is just spot on in the same way that yeah. civil procedure is just spicy con law. So is mm-hmm. IP. 
Yeah. No, as I point out, like she really should have known better about this. I mean, this is not the first politician who's gotten in trouble for playing a song that did not previously get approval by the artist. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is a thing that happens. I mean, when you forget about Dre. Well, <laughs> you don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but she she, she did not IP. She did not forget about Dre. She forgot about she a, forgot a copyright about IP, act. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, maybe, maybe I was trying to think of how she might have justified this, mm. and I was wondering if she thought that Dr. Dre was dead and locked in a basement. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. That was. But good. see, that wouldn't even cover her because copyright extends another 70 years after the death of the author, and that's only been 23 since that album came has out. Has it been 23 years? It has been 23 mm. years that since that That actually makes me feel yeah. worse than anything else that we've You're talked welcome. about today. You're welcome. <laughs> I mean, yeah, to- the good thing about this is it really is a gift that keeps on giving, so you can probably also talk about the developments of this legal scenario on the next episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. da 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 Wow. Um, so, yeah, so I that's... That's pretty much everything. It's a that's pretty going busy on, week. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I hope you're listening to the Above the Law Thinking Like a Lawyer podcast. I mean, if they weren't, they wouldn't hear this well, anyway. Right. But I hope mm. that you're also subscribed so that you always get the Oh, so episodes. you get it every week. Right. right, right. Yeah. That makes oh, sense. It comes right to your phone. You don't have to, yeah. you don't yeah. have to worry about, oh, what was there? Was there a thing I wanted to do? Yeah, it just so automatically you, comes to your phone. No, that that's fair. You can do that, and actually, you can make yeah. sure then help out that other people get it recommended to their phone if you left a review. Right, and stars obviously are great, but written reviews are extra special. Exactly, oh, yeah. it I makes think, them so I think, special. It helps us move up the algorithm and helps Ooh. other people find us as a legal podcast. Oh, those damn algorithms! Uh, yeah. they're dictating our life. It's good times. Anyway, you know. If people wanted to hear more from us, you can always read us at abovethelaw.com. That's true. That's mm-hmm. true. You could. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I said, I, but that's more of a reading thing. I was saying if they wanted to hear more from us. Yes, there is the Jabot podcast that oh, I'm the is. host of. Oh, mm-hmm. there you go. And you mm-hmm. are on some sort of legal tech roundtable. I am on the Legal Tech Week <laughs> Journalist Roundtable every week, uh, which is. And while yeah. we don't mention this, we also have a large catalog of episodes from years going back. So if you want to hear. I was talking yeah. about things from like 2019. When did, what, would that be accurate? How long? Uh, yeah, we, this has been going on. The, the old episodes with Ellie Mistal and I go back a, a long, long way, about to oh. probably 2013 or so. Damn, uh, so there's a lot of content y'all can catch up on. And there is. We actually already cited like. one. We yeah. cited one in this episode. That's right. I brought That's up right. the RBG, RBG episode. Anyway, you, so you can check out the other shows from the Legal Talk Network right. that we're not Catch on up on too, the lore. So. You're not a good constitutional That's scholar right. if you don't know the lore. That's true. Okay, and you can read above the law. You can follow it. We'll talk about Twitter for now because it's still the standard at this point. But it's at ATL blog if you want to follow the ATL account. Me personally, I'm at Catherine One, the numeral one. Joe's at Joseph Patrice mm-hmm. and Chris is at Rights for Rent. Right. And we do and not have a be real because that wouldn't make sense. But we do have an Instagram. It's ATL I mean, blog. Again, yeah. I literally I, I think the reason we don't have a be real is literally I no one has ever heard of that until you started talking about it. <laughs> but but that's because the thing with what all the these young alternatives. Do. See it's like I, alpha generation shit. They haven't gone to law school yet. Give us some time. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I don't even know as though that's true. But anyway, moving along, we have all of those options for you to keep up with us. We also have, yeah, Insta and stuff like that. Yeah, you can and find. Uh, other than that, have a great week. I think and, that's uh, right. Peace out. See you next one.
If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.